Hi, hello, bonjour. <gasps> oh, what? we're Parley France. Join the what's what's party in French? I don't know. Fit. Oh, fit. Do you know what join is? I'm thinking of it right now. <laughs> nope. Dans la fête in the party. Yeah. <laughs> We've already got in international the party. folks. If you're speaking French. You're already in the party. That's true. Anyway, hi. Welcome to the after party. <laughs> <laughs> this is the part where people on Twitter are like, I was yelling at my car <laughs> as I was driving how to say after in French. Please send all of your tweets to Just at she's so Mickey. Come at me, man. Thinking out loud on the mic. Hi, it's the after party. I think we played some Dungeons & Dragons this episode. Did we, Eric? No, I just read a bunch of shit I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eric started the session by being like, guys, I wrote a lot. <laughs> and I understand why. It was very cool. I thank you for rolling with the punches when you were like, oh, what memory do you want? And I was just like, I don't know, just like Genesis is the world, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I love the set dressing around the memories, the whole movie yeah. theater. Yeah, Zaywell is such like... There's this trope of this trickery person, Mm -hmm. someone who is relatively chaotic, and I didn't want him to lean totally far into that, but if you have control over time and space, you can kind of make whatever you want happen. So what I other want, kind like of that. rooms do you think that Zay will mix for himself? Definitely like a cigar room. Cigar rooms or like a massage spa situation. I'm sure. On his days off. Maybe fishing. Ooh, fishing. With like his fishing clothes. Do you think he ever catches anything or? Um, he catches all the fish. But do you think it's more rewarding to just catch one after eight hours? <laughs> no, I'm not for him. What I like about Zayul, I wanted him to have like a very goofy and strange face. Yeah. So it was like you put him in any outfit it's like Zayul with a top hat, but his glowing eyes are going in two different <laughs> directions. Like Zayul in a fishing outfit. Zayul like in a towel getting a massage, but his gold eyes are all over the place. You know what I like most about Zayul? What? We're done with Zayul. Woo! End of labor party! I love your character and I love your I love your creations. Acting. I love your brain. But fuck Zayul. Fuck Zayul. <laughs> God. Ugh. Yeah. You got pretty selfish after being locked in a thing by, like, mortals for 300 years. Do you think that the other two gods are, like, young people? Are they all just, like, old? I don't know. Crotchety. I pictured Devar as, like, a maternal late 50s, like, mom. Mm. Um, and Adama, I picture as, like a, like, a monk, you know? Like, someone in just really like serene linen clothing like walking through a garden being like my creation i love that maybe that's not how it is that's my head cannon surprise they're both dogs i guess i don't know one's a cat everyone's a dad <laughs> they're all dads <laughs> no but i think that makes sense when we're talking about brain and spirits here i mean the creator god is usually maternal and then in my head if i were to pick like a stereotype of the god of life it's just kind of like a businessman going to work and like he's like, oh, I have all these reports. Oh, man, all of these people wanting to live and oh, do wow. things. I was thinking more of the like creative, natural aspects of life. But you're saying the like quotidian details of life. Yeah. Like he's like a CEO of, like a the, bureaucrat. of living. That's fascinating. Oh. Maybe I'll do that. Actually, I haven't carved these people out yet because I don't know Should when I you're going to see them. Should I cut this immediately? No, it's oh, fine. No. No, it's Cursed fine. audio. I like it. I don't know if I want him to be like 
as masculine as that set up. Sure. But I think that being like the CEO of the world or of living is an interesting idea. Like the bureaucrat, the operations person, you know, the librarian of the system of living is pretty cool. When it rains, is it just like the plumbing leaking? That's summer Friday, it. man. That's summer Friday. <laughs> Put some rain on. They'll be fine. Just let them go. It's like being the kids who run the iPad. Just give it to them for a couple hours. They'll be good. Everyone will stay indoors. I no one's going to do taxes. anything crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're really starting to get into the lore, stuff that I've been building towards this entire story. This is the first time that I've actually explained the centering. I'm extremely happy about it. We've laid out some of those items as well. Uh, How about those uh, lips? The lips? Uh, Mm. So let's return to the cursed image of this episode. (laughs) Everyone has one cursed image. We have the medallion. Fine. We have the boots. Cute. We have the compass. Okay, fuck that. We have the sword. We have a clown mouth? Go away. I don't like it. By which I mean I want to find it immediately. And put it in my mouth. Oh, no. In my real human mouth. You, if, you, if you feel like it. That is definitely no, no, the no, most like crunchable me, Brandon, item. I oh, want it in gross. Brandon's mouth. Gross. I love Kenku so much, so I really wanted to make sure that the Kenku was there for like the forming of everything. <laughs> in this meeting, they were like, yes, I'm going to take Dominion over Fidopolis. I'll take Dominion over the sky. We're going to take Duvin Boosters. <laughs> oh, yeah. You think Duvin Boosters survived whatever happened before the center? Yes. What if all along Duvin Boosters has been the underworld and the Kenku are the administrators of it? No, that's not <gasps> what it is. What <gasps> if it's the middle world, the in-between world? I also know what it is. Damn it. It's a but liminal yeah. space. Do you guys remember what that thing's called by process of elimination? The Sword of Light, the Shining Medallion. The Liar's Mouthpiece. There we go, Brandon. I, was, hey. I had LaCroix in my mouth. Hey, Brandon, the continuity police, is back at it. Back at it again with the continuity. Every time you guys are with Greg, something insane happens. Sounds like the common denominator is Greg, then. <laughs> I don't know. Bring so. Greg out. Let's talk to him. I don't think so. Excuse me. I'm, I'm, I'm a medium now. I'm laying hands on you. Excuse me. Spirit world, can I speak to Greg? What is even happening right uh, now? There he is. There's my boy. No, was that Eric or Greg? Yeah. <laughs> but Tracy and I had a, you know. Heart to heart. Yeah. How'd that feel from your end? It was great. I think there's a shift that's happened in the way that we are, our characters are approaching the world. And I think Tracy is, there was always something that was nagging in the back of his head of like, this is just something that he has to get done in order to get to the place that he wants to go. But I think with the loss of Johnny, he's sort of realizing that like, oh, this was something that was here now. And he should have been living in the here and now and enjoying what he was doing. And I think he's fully on board. He's more comfortable living within the gray space of reality and decisions and morals and ethics, which is something he's not been used to. And I mean, he's very old, but, you know, he's still very childlike and very he was at least very black and white. But how did it feel from your end? Yeah, like we joke all the time that Inara is an assassin who doesn't really like to kill and a rogue who doesn't really do a ton of crime. But her intentions, like if you look back at the Meet the Character episode, like Inara is leaving everything she ever knew to go to the city in search of a new like sense of belonging. And for her, that was the, you know, Assassin's Guild and trying to make that work and kind of join into that fraternity. But it became clear that that she found that belonging and it's you know this family that we've made 
I think it was important to her to kind of communicate to Tracy, you know, Ada, like explain herself in a way that we haven't before, where you've just kind of like known or hinted that you knew that I did bad things and we kind of moved on that she wanted to, you know, explain herself and like make sure that she was represented properly in Tracy's mind because like she respects him and, and wants him to like her. So this is for Nara tipping point two of like in the past when push came to shove, she, you know, defended her party. But now it's like, you know, family. And there is not a scenario in which she would choose anything over her family. So I don't know. It feels like we're kind of committing to what has come to define us, you know, yeah, like exactly. acknowledging it yeah, yeah. And, and embracing it. But like Alonzo's in that family. Mm-hmm. Greg is a jerk <laughs> sometimes, but in that family. Yeah. And, you know, it feels like a good thing to say out loud before we embark on whatever's next. Yeah. It's sort of like um, when you're a teenager and you're first going out in the real world for the first time and you have this idea of what you want to be and what you're searching for. And the reality is that, like, you might be good at something else or you might find this ex group of friends that are not something you knew you needed or wanted, but, like, was perfect for you. And yeah. both Anara and Tracy are on that parallel path. Even though Tracy's much older, he hasn't had the freedom previously to explore that sort of nature inside of him. So it's nice to, like... Especially nice to say out loud, like, this is something that we want. Previously, it was unacknowledged that whatever party weird circumstances happened, like, this is something that we are now choosing. Yeah. And it's, I think it's super important to say out loud, both in reality and in for characters in our game. That's for sure. And we have bigger problems now, such as, I don't know, the destabilization of the world. Uh, the universe. Yeah. There's big stuff happening. Also, Oatcake is now in the Blink world for a long time. Um, that stick is the best item that's ever been item. I love it so much. It's so Such good. A good stick. <laughs> it's yeah, so good. This, I will show you this item table that I came up with a bunch of months ago when we're done with the campaign. I hope you won't be mad about the things that you missed out on. Spoiler. Ugh. It's just like the ones we've had and then the rest are just sticks. All of them are sticks. Yeah, I mean, there, there is a stick table. <laughs> <laughs> the sticks are pretty great. But yeah, a lot of unknowns. Like we, you know, Cole's in Anthropolis. Why? Whence? When is she coming back? How can Tracy fix his arm? We'll find out. And We, we will find out, Eric. Well, you know why she's in Anthropolis. She's there for the, uh, for the, what is it? The concentric wrestling championship. Well, okay, you could say that. I don't know what the hell that is. Yeah, I <laughs> who, who yeah. could say? I just thought it was, I don't know, eerie that someone who, I just thought of her as like a fixture, like always there, always in her workshop, always in Fidopolis. For her to be somewhere else is kind of like, oh no, like when people are somewhere else, it means probably we have to like go and do something about it. So, And importantly, her android friend yeah, seems Alabaster. to be with her and or wrestling. Go Alabaster. You know, it's not great with- for Tracy. It's when that. people make their robo-servants do things like wrestle or fight. Listen, the complexity of Warforged and how things are made only gets more and more complicated as we move forward. I, maybe it's not so cut and dry. Actually, yeah, that's also interesting. I forgot to talk about this, but the intentional choice of Tracy to choose to not... Yeah, strong choice. Strong <laughs> choice. We've talked about that a while ago. I'm like, hey, they will let this door open for you. I think you should think about what you want so that I can write it. And then you're like, I just want to know that Johnny's okay. And I'm like, all right. Well, I think it goes back to what he's doing is intentionally choosing not some ephemeral idea of family and not some ephemeral idea of, of a past, but choosing his present and deciding to live in that. Going off of that, it's interesting. Like the last time that you saw 
Cole's creation, it like wasn't ready. Like it wasn't put together. Right. So you don't even necessarily know what the deal is. I wonder like your past is that like this is bad. What's their name again? Alabaster. Maybe Alabaster is uh Tracy's um you know. You know? Maybe. Weak. We still don't know how warforged are made or how robots are made, so we'll see. I guess this is more of an Tune into how it's made next Tuesday. Do you know what we do know? That Johnny has a hell of a past. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in my head, did not want to stop the recording for this, but if Johnny is like 200 years old, yeah, and these women are all the same age-ish, does this math work out? <laughs> Well, I figured there was like a variety of like ages and people and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get across. Okay. Some of them might be super old, some of them other. I mean, I also said they were different races, so like different races have different ages. So it's like you can have a 150-year-old elf and that's not weird. Teach their own. But this is my favorite like internet meme trope is like women who meet because the same guy was like you know, taking them all to dates on the same night or something. Or, and then they become best friends. And I hear about it like on Twitter or on Reddit. Um, and it's delightful to me. And I think that's really awesome that that's the, the consequence of all of them kind of meeting each other and being like, are, are you? Huh? Hmm? It's awesome. They're all like, yeah, I took this guy out on a date. And they're like, oh, my God, tell me about it. Yeah, he just talked about fucking light for six hours. He kept wanting to know what the light. You've known my Wait, ex. I went on a date Wait, with that his name guy. John, John, yeah. <laughs> Why does he always want to know the light situation? We, I was talking about this with Hetty, and she's just like, "Yeah, you should see a bunch of people Johnny hooked up with." And I'm like, "This is a hilarious <laughs> idea. I love that." Creative collaborators, very good and useful for our show. But yeah, like I don't know, I. And from a gigantic family, lots of whom are like older people who came from Ireland and, you know, have been to a lot of funerals in my life. And maybe it's just like our cultural background, but like going to an Irish wake, there is so much more laughter than somberness. And just, you know, like that's what you're there for is to tell stories about the person and to bond over their idiosyncrasies and to be like, wait, I last saw you when you were six. Oh, my God, man, that's your kid. Ah!" And then and just like catch up with all these people, because when you you have such a large family, you don't see everybody every day. It's often like, what? Wait, like, Amanda, this was my neighbor growing up and the guy with the red corduroy pants in the story. That was him. I'm like, oh, my God, that was you. So it's always, you know, somewhat of a obviously somber, but a joyous occasion to learn more about this person and to see more sides of their life illuminated by the different kinds of people who are there. So I had this idea in my head of like the the ritual that Inara may have grown up with, you know, of writing to somebody who is gone or deceased and just kind of having like a moment of bonding. I think she's like pretty visual. You know, I've, I've gone to like memorial bonfires before and it's just a really nice version of a ceremony that I think is really like worth repeating. So mm-hmm. I, it was like a meaningful kind of moment to insert into our campaign for me. I feel the same way. Like I would prefer when I die, everyone just go out and have drinks, just trade stories about dumb shit all Get night long. Get fucked up on barbecue. Yes. If there's not fucking brisket at my funeral, I'm coming back to life <laughs> and killing you all. What makes you think you're going to die first? Have you seen the way I live? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Staying up late editing is just ruining your life. Yeah, go back to the soundboard and turn down the gain because the (laughs) microphone is peaking too much. Like, excuse me, Brandon would have wanted this. But so that event was a little bit more like collaborative, I guess, or like pre-written between all three of us. But this episode in particular was sort of, I mean, we rolled dice 
twice and one was for a hug. <laughs> so like, what is this version of Dungeons and Dragons, Eric? Like, how did you construct it? Yeah, what are your thoughts process? Pre-written is such a, like a misnomer for what we do. Just because you write it doesn't mean that it exists in a vacuum. There's no script here. I write down like some pages of narration that I definitely want and that we've talked about, but I don't, I think it's okay to collaborate before I think it's like your narrative mise en place. Like you. (laughs) Hold on, wait, Amanda's going to make a metaphor. Hold on. Which part's the dice onions? You have little bits of prepped things that you know at some point you're going to need. And you come in with that, but you don't know the order. You don't know the frequency. You don't know how necessarily they're going to all fit. You have an idea. But, um, you know, we come here and then we figure it out. And when you need it, it's there for you to pull out. Like you're not like looking at your laptop being like, okay, and now you say that. Now you say that. Now this happens here. I felt as a player like I could do whatever I wanted. And if I felt really strongly that a certain thing should happen first or second, like there is the flexibility for me to do that. You're not saying, oh, no, we have to stick to the script. Sure. And like the things that you're not hearing in the episode are like the things that aren't on tape or are like me and Amanda building out the ceremony scene and what right like what oh maybe a bonfire oh and, maybe about the lake you know yeah, I'm just thinking like, about that Eric going like what are the two things you guys want to do in town and I'm, I want to fix my gun and like what does that look like and how do we figure that out right stuff that would just like sort of spoil the, the actual <laughs> event of it later <laughs> this is what we're gonna do so now we let's just, do it yeah, yeah so we just cut that out and then just do the event everything that I wrote though are just results of things that we have discussed or played out earlier. I think when Zaol made this offer to you two, there was always an expectation that this was going to happen and you have the control of asking what the thing is. Right, meaning we know we're going to have scenes, but you don't know what those scenes are going to be. You also didn't know that this scene with Alonzo was going to happen. It's like a combination like truth telling slash like punishment to just like ruin someone's day by like showing them that their boyfriend is if I doing said a thing. yet, fuck Zaol. Yeah, you really don't like him. Such a piece of shit. He's he's got a, He's definitely an asshole. The way that I describe DMing is like you build a house, and the house has a kitchen. The house has bedrooms. It has a space for a den, but it's not really a home until people get in there and they bring in the things that they want. It's like I want the couch to go there. I want a barbecue. I want a dartboard. So don't put dartboards in your home. In your basement, your game. Your yeah, in game your game basement. room. Okay. Yeah. You don't have a game basement. Do you guys have a ton of plaster to fix the wall when you miss the dartboard every two seconds? Yeah, that's what caulk is for. You make the whole wall a dartboard? Board, uh. And then you put a target in the middle. And then you can also make a murder board if you solve a murder. Or you can hang artwork from your kids. The point is, is that like when the people go and they grill stuff on the barbecue, that shouldn't be out of character because like the place has a barbecue so people do the thing. Like it's yeah, not... you set the scene and then we do the things. Exactly. Like the scene is already set. It shouldn't surprise someone that it's like, oh man, that those people are barbecuing. So weird, right? <laughs> so in the same way, is like when you play D&D, you set up the structure. The players do stuff in the adventure, but then the results of the adventure, like, it's like, oh yeah, they totally did that. Now I get to write the results, but that's stemming off of player action. Like I'm not controlling it. I'm just like fleshing out the consequences of your fun. And the the minutia, the fun, and the like little twists and turns are all like the small things along the way that we decide like within the structure. There's a blink dog. Cool. Yeah. We have a camel with sneakers. <laughs> yeah. There's a gargoyle who talks with Danny Zuko. Eric, your mind's a, just a hellscape. What is going on in there? <laughs> I think it's very fun. I think it's more like a glorious 
kaleidoscopy uh, <laughs> claw machine. Yes, I you love You don't know that. what's down there, but it's going to grab something. <laughs> You're going to get something out of that egg. You two are painting me in such kind light. I appreciate that. Well, speaking of your crazed mindscape, <laughs> what is coming up next? What can we expect? What's the next arc? You can tell us. Uh, no I'm listening. not going to tell you. No one's tell listening. us off mic. It's fine. Shh, shh, shh. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, Brandon, is it off? Oh, you paused it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I good. put my hand over the microphone. Oh, okay. And now uh, I'm just uh, doing this. And... Okay. Just Halloween. It's the nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> no, that's not true. We are going to reckon with the fact that it's just the three of us. I think that we're going to bring some people to be a fourth chair, whether they're playing NPCs that are going to flesh them out. Uh, we'll have them for a few episodes. Cole might show up if you run into her doing whatever she wants. We're going to have some friends that are just great players. I think we're going to stop by. But I mean, the core here is still the three of us. Even though the party is smaller, we still have a story to tell. And we're going to see it out to the end. Hell yeah, we are. I'm going to kill Zayul. You can't kill God. I'm going to kill Zayul. All right, write it down in your character sheet. at least one person or thing. And I'm definitely going to throw that stick once per episode. Watch me. (laughs) Now let's go to some questions from our listeners. This question is from Emma Peel. Hi, guys. I just finished binging your podcast after finishing Potterless, and I'm now moving on to Spirits. Look at all of our multitude Good shows. decision. My identical twin sister, Steph, got me into Potterless and podcasts in general, and I'm enjoying what you guys make. However, just as he's introduced me to Potterless, I'm trying to convince her to listen to Join the Party. I'm thus far unsuccessful. Any suggestions? Lots of love from Australia. So what I think it's interesting here is that Multitude has been bouncing around for a little while now. If someone listens to the other shows on Multitude, how would you invite them in to our show? Oh, for the listeners of each show. Yeah. So like listeners of Potterless, Spirits, Horse, and Waystation. I think overarching, right? We're all genuinely friends in real life. Mm -hmm. So if, as in real life, if you are friends with someone and they have a friend, you have a much better chance of liking that new friend. So you should give all shows a chance because if you like one show the same way, you'll probably like another one. Multitude, we're all friends. All shows also have crossovers from different shows hosts. So if you want to have the like complete Julia Shafini archive experience, um, <laughs> you will have to listen to all of the shows on Multitude because she's on all of them at one point or another, except for Horse, but Horse is new. And same for Shubes or whoever. So that, I think, is one argument. Every show is designed not just for people who already love that thing. So Spirits is not just for people who love mythology or urban legends or folklore, but it's also for everyone who is willing to like listen to two people be super enthusiastic and genuine, but un- you know not uncritical about a thing they love, and learn to love a new thing, because we're inviting you to, because we think you're going to enjoy it. So if you enjoy our approach to Harry Potter or to Lost Girl or to mythology or to basketball, you're probably going to enjoy learning about this whole world that you had no idea you're going to love, but now it's going to be your new favorite thing. Uh, I want to get nitty gritty. I want to get specific. Specific. Oh, yeah. So Waystation is easy, right? Let's just start there. Let's just knock Waystation. So Waystation, okay, you listen to Waystation. You like queer stuff. You like monsters. You're going to like Jordan Party. There, Done. bang. For horse, if you like it when I get excited about extremely esoteric things <laughs> and then I put them into practice, you are absolutely going to love Dungeons and Dragons. Also, and, there's a lot of drama. Oh, tons of drama. And like games are games. So the way that we, I feel and we talk about basketball is similar to the way that I feel and we talk about Dungeons and Dragons. So bang, horse. Spears is also easy. I mean, if you enjoy listening to Amanda, 
then you would do enjoy listening oh, to Amanda. Oh, hey, that's one commonality. <laughs> I but would also, say if you enjoy Amanda making dumb jokes about things that are <laughs> happening, then yeah. you would love it. Um, you think you're dunking on me, but that's actually my whole persona. So <laughs> I'm not. That wasn't a dunk. That was like an underline. <laughs> also, the Baka Kujira. It's great. It's also enjoying the party. Yeah, there's a dead whale in both of those shows. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but if you also like the uh, lens that Julia and Amanda look through things, we also try to incorporate a lot of that same viewpoint into the way we tell stories on Join the Party. That's true. That's true. And I don't know. There's so many angles for Potterless. One, I think, if you agree with Shubes that Quidditch is a extremely poorly designed game, which I don't necessarily, because I think that Quidditch is actually just drama. It's a stage upon which the characters can play out into personal dramas, et cetera, et cetera. We know. Okay. But D&D has much more interesting rules, and Eric comes up with incredible ways to make real-life things into playable experiences in the game, whether that's Chopped or The Bachelorette or whatever it might be. There is a thing from real life that we can put into our fantasy game that is just so delightful every time. Yeah. I would say that if you're interested in like the actual mechanics of Harry Potter, how economics work, how the magic actually works, what a wizard has power to do or not do, what monsters have the power to do or not do, Join the Party goes into that because we make it functional. I mean, that stuff is laid out in an actual manual, so uh, you should be able to understand and really kind of dig into why Dungeons & Dragons is so interesting and breaks down fantasy tropes and uh, magic tropes in all these different ways. I think if someone had told me that D&D was all the things I craved from fantasy books, like the rules and realities and materials needed to do spells, that's my shit. And I would have been in it so much faster if I'd heard that kind of angle. And obviously, at jointhepartypod.com slash start, we have a link to the beginners episodes that teach everybody how to play Dungeons and Dragons in two really beautiful, lovely, gay episodes. We can't forget, though, that a lot of people just like Shubes' snarkiness. That's true. (laughs) People do like, yeah. So if you enjoy the fact that Shubes genuinely enjoys Harry Potter, but also doesn't take it too seriously and is uh, it's light, but also uh, enjoys the material and is uh, referential to the material, that's what we do on Join the Party. We don't like anyone at this table get away with anything. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, thanks, Brandon. (laughs) Yeah, if you're enjoying the party listener and you haven't listened to any of the other shows, go do that. Whoa, yeah, there's so many. So good. There's like hundreds of episodes of these shows at this point. Beans. Whoa. Nerds. Legumes. Legumes. Grains? What are we doing? Cereals. (laughs) Okay. All right. I have another question. I have another question. Starches. Protein. Protein's in everything. Okay. Uh, We got a question here from David K. The subject is, how do you visualize the world you're playing in? Hi. Great show. Thanks, David. Thank you. I've been on the fence about playing D&D and the nerdiness and feeling silly, but you guys have curbed that, and now I'm now in a group. Thank you. <gasps> hey, congrats. Yay. It's our team. Okay. Good job. David was wondering how we visualize our world. Is it animated? Is it real life? Do you base your characters a little on real life pop culture references? For example, David. this is how David visualizes us. He says... For example, Eric's DMing seems very lighthearted, so I see the world almost in an Adventure Time-like setting and feel, where Alonzo is like a male version of Flame Princess for some reason. But then I see Tracy almost like Blitzcrank, which we found out is a big old robo-boy from League of Legends, the very popular video game, which is more of a classic fantasy-type feel. Is it more like realistic looking? Yeah, and like he's big and powerful and 
shooty as yeah. most it's like really rogue. classic Blizzard. Yeah. So how do you guys? I'm actually interested in this. How do you visualize the game that we play? And of course, like everyone can visualize it however they want. All the listeners. I mean, we have no defined visual style because we're an audio medium. Right. So however you feel. Rocket, but how do you guys feel about the show? I actually really love this Adventure Time thing. Do you see it as animated? I think I do. I think sometimes I see it as very, like, maybe more like a realistic animation style. Maybe something more like the Dragon Prince or... Miyazaki. Um, or, yeah, or Miyazaki. But, like, I very much like the, the Adventure Time thing because it lets me swap between tones, which I think I do a lot. But it definitely needs to be animated to make everything happen in the way that I, I see it in my mind's eye. Interesting. Brayden? Um, I don't. <laughs> All right. I think for me, to be, because I am the sound designer and I'm very tuned into pacing and feel and tone of the show, I've always thought about it as as realistic in that the sounds I bring into the show are realistic. So it doesn't make sense to my brain to not have there's no like both. kapow super super power type yeah things. which yeah. i could do like that right. that could be a choice like if we wanted to make it super super animated like really lean into it like we could have talked about that ahead of time and that's something that i could have sound designed like um six star tripper for instance like it's very yeah. um mm. uh impressionistic in that way i don't know i think it makes more sense in my head the stakes when things are more realistic to me like the idea that I'm a giant robot boy already is already very weird in my head, so mm-hmm. I need to make that a given, and the world around it has to figure out what that means. Yeah. Yeah. I think I picture a sort of blend between uh, realism and a, like realistic anime, like Miyazaki, uh, I think would be the closest. When we were writing the uh, Meet the Character episodes, I can remember myself picturing like Inara's hands in front of me. And I was thinking to myself, like, that's where I started. And I was like, okay, well, there are these hands in front of me. And what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What is around them? Like, what kind of looking up from there and seeing the world like unfurl itself um, onto the like mental canvas in front of me. Um, and I remember picturing those hands and like dappled sunlight under the forest, like a heavy pack and a dirt road in front of me. And okay, well, that's where I'm starting. But in the intervening time, like just as, as soon as you said it, Eric was like, oh shit, I don't know. You know, it, it like escaped my head immediately. But when I picture the world, I think of a map, like in a in the beginning of a fantasy novel um, with yeah. the city states, you know, etched in as we go to them. It's not like actors, you know, but everybody has their, you know, close to real, like, skin tones facial features the packs i always imagine as like real and having a smell and having a sound and and a texture i think about how things feel and smell as often as i think about how they look totally i love that idea like to bring it in because when you're looking at animation you don't think about unless they intentionally bring it to your attention about how things smell or taste or whatever and that's always through the character's eyes but yeah i love that i often find myself thinking like okay well what am i like what am i resting against like what are my hands on you know if i have to reach in for something like what is in that pack and how heavy is it it's a way that i find myself like grounding myself in a world that not just me is thinking of yeah i think my reference point is for how cliche it is it is lord of the rings in that the original trilogy because they use a ton of practical effects yeah and those effects are taken as givens in the world so like you don't think about how weird it is that this old man is wearing a giant robe and like this orc thing has a bunch of scars because that's just like how it is in that world yeah Mm. that's what i references awesome question david thank you for emailing us and for uh and for playing D D. it's great i'm so glad you're doing it 
Thank you for joining us for this and every after party. We would love to hear what you thought in our patron-only Discord in the story spoilers section. You can also ask us questions there in the after party channel. If you are not yet in there and you want to be good, you should be. We give every person who joins a personalized greeting and tell them where the guac is and where the playlist is. The guac's and, gone. I ate it. Oh, oh no. Well, y'all can join at patreon.com slash join the party pod where you can get extras like NPC backstories for every episode. I wonder who this one will be. I hope it's one of those ladies. I hope it's a list of each of those women and how they first met Johnny. Please remind me that in like five months when we release this episode. <laughs> Point being, they are very good and they are available to our patrons over at patreon.com slash join the party pod. We are also at join the party pod on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook and on Tumblr, where we share good, good stuff and art and photos of our dice and our gameplay um, and our beautiful dice boxes that in real time here on when we're recording, we just got a listener Izzy and it's lovely and we want to hear you and... Yeah. I want to say hi. Come say hi. Come say hi. Roll a high hug check. So uh, you listeners are going to know what this new arc is called before we do. So look in your podcast player for the next episode of Join the Party. Thanks. Bye, guys. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Where do I go, Eric? Just get out of here. Get. Yeah. <laughs>